0: or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both, underscore, MOV, number two, L-I-V. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. back to Moving to Live. We are a podcast for movement and exercise professionals as amateur aficionados, as you heard in the intro. With the ESOS, movement is part of what makes your life complete. We try to break down the knowledge silos, picking experts that you may or may not have heard of across the, literally, I can say today, the world, because we're going to have today's guest all the way from Singapore, so that people... All are involved in wanting to make people move better, expand the message of movement as part of what makes your life complete. Can share ideas, and you can find a good source of information from a variety of sources. Today, we're going to talk to Natalie Dow. You can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Rockstar Arms, and she's going to tell us how she transitioned from a consultant to what she defined in the first interview two weeks ago as a fitness entrepreneur, which I like as a definition. Natalie, thanks for taking time to talk to Moving to Live for a second time. It's great to
1: be back. Thank you.
0: For those uh, Moving to Live guests who maybe did not listen to the first podcast, I know you're going to go back and listen to it after hearing this, but you kind of finished up our first interview talking about how you transitioned from working as a consultant to realizing that you had a potential business opportunity Still consulting, but more related in the, in the fitness organization or the fitness world, and as a consultant, you were your own boss. so you started out, as you said, helping a friend lose over fifty kilos or a hundred pounds and had a business nirvana or idea from that
1: yes, that's right. you know it was uh, you know creating a community around you know that success to uh, to inspire other people to be fit and healthy and move. And I think, um, you know, I would say Asia is years behind the US and Australia when it comes to, um, you know, it comes to physical fitness and just health in general um, and eating habits. So there's a real need for information here and I think, you know, what I did was, was fill the gap for that need.
0: And was when you started this uh, Facebook group and started this community, was the idea to only uh, work with people in Asia or only work with people in Singapore, or was your idea to essentially anybody who was interested?
1: Anyone who was in a, interested, yeah. So, male, female, different ages, different backgrounds, it didn't matter. You know, the idea was it's a positive space. And if it changes one thing in your life and makes you a bit healthier, then, then happy days.
0: And I know people who are not regular movers always have a multitude of excuses why they don't do it. And they have a multitude of ways that they can avoid recognizing that, hey, maybe I need to move. Somebody comes across your page or meets you. Uh, I've started following you and you've started following me on various, various social media links. And I see that you're very active on LinkedIn with pictures of various Singaporean officials and other people wearing suits and coats and ties. And if what you've said is true, that many people don't move on a regular basis in that part of the country. How do you, when you're meeting them one-on-one and they say, you know, this is Natalie and she's doing uh, information on healthy eating and healthy movement, and they say to you, maybe just in private, it's like, well, I just don't get all this movement stuff. How do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think everyone um, thinks straight away when it comes to health and fitness, they have to change their whole life overnight. Um, so they're daunted and it's easier just not to do it. So my argument with them is just, just change one thing this week. Uh, whether it's eating healthier for breakfast or whether it's going, uh, you know, getting off the bus to stop earlier or whether it's doing squats while you're cleaning your teeth. Um, you know, just just try and put one thing in that's going to become a positive habit into your life. So, you know, go for a walk with the family on the weekend. But I, the last thing I want to do is overwhelm someone and, and have them um, not want to change anything because they don't think that they can everyone's thoughts are oh I've got to train for that marathon because that's what my neighbor does well it's so far from the truth uh, you know it, it, it's scary I think even in the corporate world you know there's companies which are great and they have the best intention of you know their corporate health policy is let's put on you know boot camps or training sessions for people um, yet you know, it's the same 20 people that turn up that are already fit. Uh, the, most people just need to know, you know, what can they do that's the 10 minutes a day, which is the walking upstairs or, or getting off the bus. And it's just those small changes that I try and focus on a lot of times.
0: You're talking to one of these people and they say, well, okay, I'll make one change. What's the one change that you would recommend people make or should it be different for each person?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, people want to deny that food isn't really playing a role in it, where I really do think, it, you know, it's 80%. No, everyone wants the magic pill still. So, you know, I'm just like, cut out some sugar out of your diet. Don't drink that can of Coke at lunchtime if you can. Um, and walk, you know, I think walking is the most underestimated exercise in the world still. So, I mean, everyone can do that. It's a great stress relief. You're outside connecting back with nature, which I think, you know, we've all lost as well. And it is an important part to try and, and connect back with the environment. So, you know, and, and anyone can do it. So I'm, I'm always about walking and, and just cutting one bad thing out of your diet.
0: I'm curious for you, <laughs> the one bad thing you cut out of your diet when you started getting more serious, what was it?
1: Awesome.
0: (laughs) For for, for me, it was soda. When I was in high school, I worked landscaping one summer. And at the end of the summer, I cleaned out the back of my car, the trunk. And I think there were 250 sodas. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, I was 18 years old. That's my defense. (laughs)
1: Even
0: even at that age, I, I think it hit me. It's like, wow, I need to do something else. And literally since then, I've probably can count on the fingers of both hands, the number of sodas I've had. I just didn't really miss it. It was one of those things that I didn't think about. I'm thirsty. I'll buy a soda.
1: Yeah, and I think it is. It just becomes the norm, right? I haven't drunk soda for years um, either. And and as you know, as I look at my personal diet, and I have a coach in the US that helps me actually, but it's it's tweaking the small things now. So it's a, it is a science, right? And it it's seeing how your body reacts to different things. And I quite enjoy yeah changing it up and and playing around with that.
0: I think it's interesting. You said you have a, somebody in the U.S. who helps you with this. Uh, an earlier podcast, I interviewed Dr. Stacy Sims in New Zealand, who is a very well-known physiologist in endurance sports and uh, working with female athletes. And she made the comment, I don't remember if this was on recording or off recording, but she was training for a race, and she was hiring a coach, somebody who has a doctorate in exercise physiology whose race is a professional triathlete, saying, I'm hiring a coach to tell me what to do. Yeah, I think that's something that when you talk to professionals and we talked a little bit before we started recording about not having an ego. What was it that made you decide, "Hey, I can't control this completely on my own. I want somebody else to give me some feedback."
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm always open to learning and I certainly am not the expert in all things or in most things. So if I can call on someone's knowledge to help me be better at something or achieve my goal faster, um, then absolutely. I always say I'm very coachable, uh, no matter what it is. Um, and I think that's how you grow. If you think you can do it yourself, then that's great, but you're you're not going to see the improvements that necessarily you want.
0: So you transition from this private Facebook group to having a business with the daily escape. How does one take that step? Because I know there are a lot of personal trainers just here in the U S and so many of them, have an idea maybe for a business or they want to strike out on their own, but they don't? What was it or how did you make the decision that's saying, I can leave my corporate job and I can do this and I can do something that maybe I'm a little bit more excited about than being a consultant for a large company?
1: Yeah, I think you know it's a gutsy move, <laughs> and uh, and you know you've got to you've got to decide, I guess you know what it is that you want in life. So obviously, I don't have that amazing corporate salary anymore. Um, but I think for me, I, you know, I have longer term goals around where I want to take my business and you know build it, and they will come. And I think it's it's being patient, but making. You know, waking up every day knowing that I'm having a positive influence on the world, I guess, certainly makes up for that and reaching more people and meeting really interesting people. So, you know, like yourself, it's like, you know, it's once you commit to it fully, you know, the world opens up. And I think that's when you start seeing the opportunities.
0: I know probably even five years ago, the idea of be starting a podcast and talking to somebody all the way across the world in Singapore, be like, yeah, I can't do that. And I don't know if it's getting older and getting less confident in myself or more confident in myself, but I really enjoy it. Is this something, if the opportunity had come along, say, 15 years ago, you think you would have been ready for it?
1: Yeah, probably not because I was focused on different things. Yeah, so I I don't think so. And I think that's the, you know, I like to think I'm only halfway through my life. So, you know, you think, Oh God, I'm 46. This is, I'm old. Should I be changing careers? It's like, well, hopefully I'm only halfway through. Yeah.
0: I tell often when people comment to me or, or mention they're thinking of switching careers and are worried that they're too old. My dad went to law school at 74 and he is 82 or 83 and working as an attorney.
1: That is, oh, my God, that's an amazing story in itself. Wow.
0: So, so whenever I think I'm too old to do something, I think, well, I've got another 30-plus years to, to worry or 20-plus years to worry about. Yeah, start thinking about what law school you're going to. <laughs> I don't think I'll be going to law school. But it, 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 it does mean that I actually told somebody a couple of days ago I planned to live to be 104, and they said, well, what are you going to do? And it's like, It's like, what am I not going to do? I'm worried about running out of time.
1: Yes, exactly. That's exactly right.
0: So you transition, you leave the consulting job, and how do you decide what to focus on? I think what's interesting is what you've said, that you have an inclusive community for everybody that's non-threatening, that's open. And I know a lot of people talk about when they go and they open a business is, what can I focus on? What's going to be my little niche? And your niche, for lack of a better term, seems to be overall movement. And that's what I've seen on uh, social media, you know, being careful what you eat, but essentially moving and doing what you enjoy doing to move.
1: Yeah. And I think it was, you know, it was definitely education because there's so much information out there. So just distilling that for people and and trying to dumb it down for want of a better term um, and just giving them some tools to start moving, to start living a better life um to educate them on sleep, uh to educate on, on eating. So I think there was a, a real lack of that. Um so that was the focus, that, you know, I I like in my sporting career, I always say I'm a generalist. And so I think this was um, you know, just just general information. Is it controversial? No, but will it help someone? Yes.
0: And I think that's something that I immediately came across or the messages you delivered when I started looking at the various posts when I started following you on social media. It is very non-controversial, which is not a bad thing. It seems that if you follow a variety of movement and fitness professionals on social media, that the idea is to be controversial or, or confrontational and say something so that other people respond, that the idea is a good post where you know maybe you have – half of the responses to the post are positive, great post and the other half are either ridiculing you or calling you an idiot because you didn't say something that they agreed with. Was it a conscious decision to be positive about this? Because I know there is the potential when you work as a consultant to kind of be very, very goal oriented and potentially controversial to help meet your goals for your employer.
1: Yeah, you know, it was it it was a decision to not be controversial. Um, you know, I think, like you said, there's enough of that going on. So the idea was to take all those opinions and present them in a united way and let the person decide what was best for themselves. So, um, you know, there's there's so many things saying do this, do that, do that. So we, we sort of lump them together and say, here's your options and you know, here's why we think this one's good and this one's good and this one's good, but it's, uh, you know, I don't think we're, we're we're not, number one, we're not experts in everything, so I don't think that we can present a really deep view on a lot of things anyway, So, um, and we don't pretend to be. So this is more bite-sized information around what's going on.
0: And I think, uh, at least in my experience in the movement field, there are only a few people who really want that deep information and to drop down the rabbit hole.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the general person is hardly moving, right? So, it's, um, you know, you saw the, the figures that came out a couple of weeks ago of, of how inactive the world is. Um, so, they're not ready for that information and nor do they want it. So, they just want something that they, that's basic that they can do today.
0: You mentioned a couple of times that Singapore was a really good spot to start this sort of thing. Here in the US, uh fitness clubs, personal trainers, et cetera, you know, even the smallest town will have two or three gyms, probably at this point in time, you know, at least one CrossFit box. So we have a lot of people out there calling themselves fitness professionals or working full-time or part-time as fitness professionals and yet we're a country that has increasing obesity and decreased activity levels. What is Singapore like as far as uh, movement-related activities, the general population and also diet?
1: Yeah, so you know I think it's, it's a younger country so uh, there's room to have a big impact. So I, I work, I'm a sports Singapore ambassador um, which is a huge honor, and I so I work with the government closely to try and get people moving and educate people um, on what's available. and And the government really does take a an amazing view in that they provide very very low cost access. We're talking two dollars um, to amazing gym facilities. There's free activities on. You know, we always joke that you could exercise in Singapore every day. Uh, at an organised class for free because there's so many free things and activations that go on. Um, So from that point of view, you know, definitely behind the US and Australia, but I think um, it's going to grow in a very different way than those markets. Um, You know, here it's about community and people like working out together. Um, So... You know, we will have, you know, it's a country of 6 million people, but there's a, a running race on every week that will have at least 5,000 people participate. I mean, there was one on the other day that had 18,000 people. Um, so people like to be part of a bigger group and participate together. I run a Reebok boot camp every Wednesday night. And we have 70 people turn up and we don't advertise that every single week. Um, so it's being part of the community. Then everyone goes and eats because food is very much part of the culture. <laughs> so I think the food is an interesting one. Everything is imported. It's very cheap to eat locally here, but that's not necessarily healthy. So um, access to Um, eating organic is a lot harder and a lot more expensive for the general population. Um, But there's definitely education uh, campaigns going on by the government. You know, if you're going to the local food centre, then these are the dishes to choose because they're lower in calories and and lower in fats. Um, So I think the government's really, you know, pushing forward everyone in the country. If you're a permanent resident or a citizen, you get $120 a year paid for by the government to go and spend against a physical activity or joining a gym. You know, my daughter does basketball, so we put that towards her fees with the government. So it, it is really quite amazing what's, what's going on here and really seeing the shift and how they're supporting it.
0: And I think I read one of your posts within the last couple of weeks that, about the number of running events and how this has changed over uh, a period of a few years.
1: Oh, yeah, when I got here, you know, I've been here 15 years, but I would be the only person running on the streets. Um, You know, I ran at 5 o'clock this morning,
0: uh,
1: so it was dark. And Singapore's safe, so it's great. You can run any time of day. Um, But, you know, pitch black at 5, and I would have passed, you know, 20 to 30 people running at that time. I mean, that, that would never happen, you know, even five years ago. So... Um, you know, it's, it's really changing. And it's not necessarily the young people that are out exercising, they are, but it's also, you know, the over 40s that are, are out there and the over 50s that are, are out moving. So, it's really becoming more ingrained in the culture, I think, now.
0: What is it, do you think, that's made that change? I know in the US, we don't like to have people tell us what to do. And I know the training or the teaching that you commonly get when uh, learning about fitness and how to attract people is you can teach people, you can tell them what to do, but the actual change where they make it a regular part of their lifestyle has to come from them. And some of them, it may be because they just grow up active and they can't imagine not being active. For others, it's the development of a chronic disease or a family member who maybe dies and it kind of lights a light bulb. What is it that made the big change where you you think that so many more people are moving in Singapore was it the government programs?
1: Yeah and I think it's all it's that and I think it's becoming a social activity now so people were maybe looking for something to do and so now it's it's uh it's what they do socially is they'll go for a run they'll um you know participate in a sport and I think it's seeing a lot of like you know Spartan racing coming here Um, different gyms opening up you know there's it's not just same same now so it's it's lots of people are getting the chance to experiment and try different things obviously yoga is a huge thing in Asia class class opened up here recently so I think they're changing up the landscape um, and letting people have that experimental experience and trying you know, trying different different activities. Um, so I think that's what's, yeah, that's what's changing it and the whole community
0: piece. You've got this business, you started the Daily Escape to have information. And the thing that really I found fascinating is the fact that you have your own fitness app. Yes. Uh, I interviewed uh, a gentleman who has a a physical therapy app for exercises, but I've never heard of a fitness entrepreneur having an app. How did that come about?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, everyone kept asking me, you know, what should I, because I, you know, as much as I'm a personal and group trainer, I, I don't take clients. Right. So, People were asking me what workout should I do? You know, I want to look like you or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I tested it on a web platform for a while and to see if people would actually pay for it. (laughs) Um, and they, and, and they did. So it was like, oh, okay. Uh, maybe I need to do an app. So, you know, there are obviously tens of thousands of fitness apps out there and, uh, you know, I won't pretend by saying mine's you know, like no other. Um, But I think when it comes to it, you know, my focus originally was on the over 40s and putting programs together for them. Um, And then it it sort of expanded and I realised my market just was not over 40s because I was having a lot younger demographic using it. Um, and no one in Asia had done it yet. So, um, you know, I embarked on getting this app built. Um, I'm actually in version two now where, you know, my, my whole ethos is I want to make fitness accessible to anyone in the world, anytime. It doesn't matter what their background is or their uh, financial means. So I put a lot of free workouts on there for people to access um, and in my next launch, you know, it's always going to be a meetup to do a free. So you'll be able to find someone in your neighborhood if you want to meet up and do a work, workout together that's there and a build your own workout. So I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, to change that up and offer some things that are a little bit different um, in the
0: next release. And I know the questions people always have when they hear about apps is, is it available on iPhone and Android? Yes,
1: it is. Yes.
0: <laughs> and then the, then the other question people often have when you have an app, especially with the idea of it'll offer things, they want to know, well, does it have anything locally? So is this an international app or is it intended with the meetup portion when you roll out the next version? Will this just be for Singapore?
1: International. Yeah, 100% international. So am I, the people that are, you know are using it are, are all over the world. Um, so, no, most definitely the whole idea is anyone in the world. And, you know, my third thing will be um, developing multiple languages because I want to be able to reach, um, you know, you, you, the likes of, you know, China and Indonesia where, the, you know, incomes are a lot less, um, but I want to be able to offer them something to, to be able to move um, for free as well. So that's really what, you know, what my passion is about.
0: And was the idea for the app because so many people have smartphones versus developing a program for the computer?
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think just having the opportunity of being in the gym and using or being outside rather than having to, you know, use a web platform. So. The app is most definitely just, you know, it's just easier to use. And now I know it, it doesn't break. Uh, that, you know, you know, I, I sort of was hesitant to go out and market it uh, as aggressively. Um, uh, but now, now it's all, you know, fully functioning and working. Um, I'll most definitely market it more now.
0: I've often said to people that if I'm going to do something, I want to either do it better than them or do it differently. And I was struck by when you were talking about this app, one of the things you said was there wasn't one in Asia. So you are obviously doing something differently. So you're kind of unintentionally proving my my little theory that I have. Do it better and or do it differently. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I, so I think, um, you know, you strike while well the iron's hot and just try and and uh, and try and get as many people using it as possible.
0: We are talking with Natalie Dow. She is at Rockstar Arms on the various social media links. One of the things that uh, Moving to Live tries to do is break down the knowledge silos. And you are in Singapore, whereas I'm in the U.S., Somebody comes to you who is not a fitness person, but they are in the health field. What is the one thing that you think that you've seen in your experience that they wish they knew? So if you talk to physicians or rehab professionals, what's the one fitness-related thing with people you think might be most valuable for them to remember?
1: Yeah, I think, um, for me, I think is, you know, getting into mobility uh, earlier than later. Um, you're talking to someone who has terrible mobility um so uh, you know i i think that is that is key for longevity of, of everything is you know i know i i personally am not a yoga fan because i just don't enjoy doing it but um you know i think mobility is is so super key in our lives we sit down too long um you know we don't move well but if you've if you've got a, you know, working on the mobility, it is life changing, I think. And I I try and do everything I can. I try and roll. I just bought, you know, one of those Tim Tam gums, which me was, is my new favourite thing. Um, but yeah, I think that that would be definitely it.
0: We're talking with Natalie Dow. She is rockstar arms on social media. We'll have extensive show notes on this. If you... Wanna take home message. I think the two best messages she had were pick one or two changes. Don't try to change a whole lot of things. And the other thing that if it didn't, if it slipped by, it shouldn't slip by is what you eat is very important. I think a lot of people think, well, just because I can exercise and move, I can eat whatever I want. And I think she would agree with me that is not true. Natalie, I want to thank you both for this week and two weeks ago for talking to Moving to Live both about uh, working as a fitness professional in Singapore and how you move from a consultant to somebody who is really influencing people in Asia and across the world to, for lack of a better term, move because it's part of what makes your life complete.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to talk to you.
0: Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore MOV number two L-I-V. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving.